If you just can't bear to sleep without a blanket, no matter how hot and uncomfortable it is, you're not alone. Since the Middle Ages, when blankets first became widely available to everyone, people have been compelled to sleep under blankets. And welcome to Earbuds and Earworms. I'm Amy, snuggled up into my warm, cozy covers, Shepard, and this is... Mitchell Manley, Gigglypuff. Because I'm giggly. <laughs> Gigglypuff? Yeah. Yes, you are. I don't know if you're any more giggly than you normally are, but I'm going to say last week, maybe because we're on separate tracks, I noticed how giggly you are because I was syncing up all of our stuff because there's a delay on this. And right. it delighted me to no end. And then I just collected all of them. And then I mashed it up with Fanfare of the Common Man. So, how's your sometimes, week going? Sometimes Amy gets a little bored, and uh, that's that's totally fine. <laughs> you just went a little bit crazy from your, from your insane week, and then your brain just kind of <laughs> came out like some Swiss cheese, and that's quite all right. We still love you. No, I think it was because uh, your giggles are works of art. Yeah, they're pretty adorable. And your little laughs. And your, they are. It's a ha ha ha. And um, what are the other ones? I don't know. They're just all really great. And I really enjoyed myself. So um, if you guys didn't check out Fanfare of the Uncommon Mitchell, that is on the Facebook page. Which they tried to copy strike me. <laughs> oh, did they really? Yeah, they were like, your your soundtrack has been removed because it <laughs> includes uh, Fanfare of the Common Man. And I was like, it's changed. It's different. <laughs> yeah. Just, I I own this now, not not some orchestra <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, yeah. But it brought me immense joy, and I continued to listen to it, and my husband just rolled his eyes multiple, Aww. multiple times. Yeah. It's very sweet. What... Uh, what is our theme and how did we get here? Okay, I think after a few days after the show came out, it was way later than we normally put out a theme. and you, We were like, holy shit, we need to come up with a theme. And so we racked our brains and I just eventually came up with covers. I think I'd been listening to Debbie's uh, song that she submitted forever ago. I think I mentioned in my notes some other time. But yeah, Debbie... Uh, posted a song by a band called Crocodiles uh, that was a mashup of Groove is in the Heart by Delight and uh, California Girls by the Beach Boys. It's just this awesome noise pop, beautiful mashup cover, and I've been listening to that a bunch. And so maybe that's where uh, subconsciously the cover idea came from. But also I know that you and Jason had done it uh, early on in the days of Earbuds and Earworms before I got here. And so we've been kind of putting it off since I got here because I'd like to, you know, I wanted to participate in a cover thing. And I'll be honest, we had so many selections this week, I might <laughs> insist that we do another one really soon, so. Yeah, and I I thought it was just because everybody was, like, huddled up in their blankies, 
honestly. I thought that's where the theme came from. Yeah, that that actually is a pretty good guess, but that that did not play into my <laughs> my particular reasoning, but it fits. Yeah, it works. It completely and totally works. What song did you bring this week? I'm going to start us off with a thousand homo DJs doing Supernaut by Black Sabbath. This is always a fun cover to talk about, not only because of my love of Black Sabbath, uh, and this happens to be one of my favorite Black Sabbath songs, but also because this sort of urban legend about the vocals on the track. Uh, a Thousand Homo DJs was a side project of Al Jorgensen from Ministry, uh, and when this cover was originally recorded, uh, the vocals were done by Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails, and unfortunately after recording it, uh, Trent Reznor's uh, record label was like, no, you can't put that out. And, uh, you know, he was contractually forbidden from from appearing on on another record label. So according to the official story, Al Jorgensen re-recorded the vocals himself and released the song. And then years later down the road, uh, Trent Reznor's label released a version with Trent's vocals on it. Now, the interesting thing is both versions are pretty much identical in every single way. Like if you listen to the vocal inflections and like the sound profile of the voices, you'll find it's an identical performance, which like has led a lot of fans to speculate that the official version is actually just Trent Reznor's vocals ran through some distortion to kind of muddy it up so that no one's the wiser and they could release it without, you know, Trent Reznor's label trying to sue them. And so that's actually the the version of events that I believe. Like I think both versions are Trent Reznor and Al Jorgensen just kind of pulled a sneaky on us. But you know, whenever you ask them about them in uh, in interviews, like Trent Reznor, Al Jorgensen both stick to the story. Al redid the vocals, not Trent on the official version. But I don't know. I'm I'm pretty convinced that's a lie. And uh, you know, to to avoid like dealing with the the legal bullshit from record companies, Trent and Al just like agreed to take the secret to the grave. You see. I hear it and I hear Trent Reznor like so intensely. It is so obviously. It's and like the guy from ministry kind of sounds like Trent. I mean, like it's similar, but it's him. I mean, it sounds exactly like Trent Reznor to me. That's what I'm saying. But I also don't know uh, from Black Sabbath at all. So it could have been anything, really. I didn't know this was a Black Sabbath cover. Um had super conservative, like, music parents um, that thought that Black Sabbath was, like, really, really evil. So I didn't get to listen to these very iconic songs. Um, this version is so heavy. And I know Black Sabbath is, like, super heavy, but I'm not super familiar with their music. But sure. I guess this is more electronic than uh, guitar or whatever. But it's just yeah, so definitely. 
heavy and noisy and I love it. It's a terrible band name, but um, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's just me. Uh, I love like I think the samples are something that the band added, correct? Oh yeah, definitely. Like there's like, uh, yeah, and I I don't know, definitely. I'm just gonna go with this is definitely Trent Reznor, like yeah. for sure though. Yeah, I'm glad you agree. Well, and I also read it as um AI redid the vocals, and I was like, that's not an AI from 1992. <laughs> it's not Vocaloid. <laughs> yeah, like I was like uh I was like it wasn't that fancy back then, so I was pretty sure that uh the the AI idea was wrong but of course it's a person <laughs> named al <laughs> right. but so i went um more straight uh covers like completely i brought puddles pity parter tom waits time and the things you can't remember tell the things you can't forget history puts a saint in every dream well she said she'd stick around Till the bandages come off But these mama's boys just don't know when to quit And Matilda asks the sailors All those dreams are all those prayers So just close your eyes, son This won't hurt a bit And it's time, time, time And it's time, time, time and it's time, time, time that you love. And it's time, time, time. Well, things are pretty lousy for a calendar girl. The boys dive right off the cars and splash into the street. So, um, remember, like, way back in the day when I forgot who Leonard Cohen was? Um... I'm not sure when it was, but this reminds me of Leonard Cohen, um, and it's like Leonard Cohen is covering Tom Waits, and uh, since, yeah, this is really just a straight-up excuse for me to listen to, like, Tom Waits music, and I usually, like, love Tom Waits songs so much, so this is just an excuse for me to listen to time, but, like, less gravelly, like, you know, Tom Waits' vocal cords are pretty much made of, like, cigarette ashes and gravel, and um, this spider is like webs. the smooth, pretty version. Yeah, spider webs. So it it sounds like two completely different songs in a way, just because of delivery. And if you listen to Tom Waits' version, like you can almost feel like the words being pushed out of his mouth and like very stressful. But this is like, I mean, big band smoothiness, but without the uh big band it's just a keyboard and a guitar and it's just sweet and i love the story anyway because it's just the way tom waits writes a story yeah it's amazing i've i've had so many arguments about tom waits and like i totally understand why people see him as a novelty and why they can't like get past the gravelly voice and the music that sounds like a haunted circus in an abandoned rail yard or whatever (laughs) but like i think it's a real shame that folks can't see through it to like find how many beautiful songs he has and like how beautiful songs actually are and and kind of what I, I find really hilarious about this cover is that like musically it's a very clear and touching rendition of the song and allows the beauty of the song to kind of shine through in a way that uh you know may not with with the normal Tom Waits style but <laughs> visually it's being sung by a six foot eight clown 
And so, <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> yeah, and and so you're still in the haunted circus territory visually, but the clarity of the song still shines through, and and hopefully serves to justify Tom Waits to the haters and the non-believers. Like just a beautiful songwriter, and like he's got kitschy, silly songs too. But when he wants to write a good one, he will tug at those heartstrings, and this is a great example. Yeah, I, f- I completely forgot that Puddles was a ginormous clown. Um, <laughs> I think that's a gimmick so that like. Yeah, he's like six foot eight, big white clown. Yeah, yeah, like he's um, I'm sure terrifying for uh, a few people, but I I completely forgot about mentioning that. <laughs> but I think that he does that so that he can like capture people's attention with these covers in a very beautiful way, and the ways he sings is so sad and deep and stuff. So I love Puddles Pity Party; it's one of my favorites. And yeah. It's great. yeah. And uh, I think he's done some opera, too, as Puddles. Our ear buddies brought a ton of music, and I'm so glad that you um, are really good at curating the songs each week. Oh, man, it was very tough this week. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, oh, I, hold on. I got to take a moment. This is going to take a bit. But you, you, you stood up. And you took up on the challenge, and I appreciate that. I had um, to leave off some really, really good ones. So I, I, I do want to apologize to some of the ones we didn't get to, but that's part of why we might eventually do a, a second part at some yeah. point. Because there was like so many good ones that I had to had to rule out. Even like wrote them into the notes and then had to go back and be like, no, <laughs> this other one needs to be in there a little bit more. Oh, wow. Yeah, I took a nap while you were going through this struggle. Sorry. <laughs> Um, our first ear buddy is David H., who brings Elliot Smith's All My Rowdy Friends Have Settled Down by Hank Williams Jr. I myself have seen my wilder days, and I have seen my name at the top of the page. Smith's voice is so delicate, and this recording of him giggling is perfect for recreating a Hank Williams Jr. song. I mean, he would have been perfect for any senior covers as well, but also giggling just makes me happy, like, so (laughs) much right now. Like, it reminded me of you from last week. Um, But, like, I don't know. It just delights me to no end. So, I I tried to look up the original song, even though I don't like Hank Williams Jr. that much. Um, he also has a song, All My Rowdy Friends Are Coming Over. And I wonder if this was like the previous album and then like he had to make another one because all his rowdy friends calmed down. Yeah, so, I believe so. Yeah. And um, anyway, Elliot Smith, it, he just made a much more charming cover. And it's unfortunate that we don't have Elliot Smith anymore because like this, I think this recording kind of, shows off the delight of a human he really is or was 
Indeed it does. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Elliot Smith fan. And, and while this may not be like a particularly groundbreaking or inventive cover, I think he brings his own style to it. And I think it captures a part of Elliot Smith that we don't really get access to on his albums. Uh, you know, a lot of his songs are really depressive and very thoughtful and artsy. And so hearing him do this like upbeat country song just kind of grabs you a little different anyway. And then on top of that, this is a live recording. You just hear him giggling and laughing while he sings. And that's another side that we, we didn't get to see, you know, especially uh, by the time he kind of of got famous he was dealing with addiction and depression and had sort of become a shell of a person and you didn't see him smile too much or even like express joy uh in playing his own music a lot of times so this cover is just like this neat little time capsule that kind of captures the joyful playful spirit that we didn't get nearly enough of before he died yeah i think that that like i think that's the best part of this recording too is like the little giggles and laughs and like him forgetting the lyrics like partially through uh, it just makes him, you know, Elliot Smith almost seems like bigger than existence when you only have his recordings like on his albums. And so this like snapshot of him as a person was, um, it's it's kind of beautiful. But also you can almost hear the beginning of his problems with addiction because he's obviously lit. So right. yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a, David H, you brought a good song. It's just a good song. Our next ear buddy is Charlie, who brings Isley's Brothers Ohio Machine Gun. Charlie clarifies this is a mashup cover of Neil Young's Ohio and Jimi Hendrix's Machine Gun. I'm glad that y'all know my tolerance for long songs is immensely improved when the songs are good. So there's that. Uh, I'll admit I don't know which part is Jimi Hendrix, but the Ohio part is like, I'm pretty sure about like a school shooting or a college campus situation. And this is part of like a protest like movement. Mm -hmm. And so I know that much. I'm pretty sure that Jimi Hendrix has definitely got to be part of the um, protest movement as well. But I don't know anything about Jimi Hendrix. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, the, guitar <laughs> <It's quite laughs> right. the guitars are like super epic, which I've got to guess is the Hendrixy part. And there's, you know, some La La La's, which I don't know if they are in either of those songs initially. But it's a good, it's just a good song. And, um, I don't know how much of it's like separate. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, I mean, uh, I, I wanted to try to bring some songs that were instantly recognizable to pretty much everyone. And also some kind of obscure ones where you're kind of getting a two for one uh, when it comes to learning about a new artist or a new song. So um, 
first off, uh, it's the Isley brothers, I believe. Um, you, you know, the Isley brothers. I, I want to make sure that people <laughs> know that you're dumb, but I'm not. I, I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know who well, the Isley brothers are. Well, if, if you f- remember, I couldn't remember Leonard Cohen for like three days last Leonard week. Leonard Cohen, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, the the original inspiration for this theme, uh, like I said earlier, was was Debbie bringing that crocodile song. It's like just this noisy, blissful cover that combines uh, the Beach Boys, California Girls, and that '90s dance hit "Groove Is in the Heart." Uh, and so I really loved the idea of like two covers in one. And then Charlie, ever the overachiever, uh, submitted this cover from the Isley Brothers. Uh, they combined two of the most important anti-war songs into this monumental tribute of their own. Uh, both of the originals were released in 1970 when the Vietnam War was uh, becoming increasingly violent and like increasingly futile. Like obviously we weren't gaining much ground and it was really bad. Uh, and so that was kind of distressing people at home and abroad. So uh, these were like these immensely important and poignant songs. And the Isley Brothers got a lot of push from white artists covering their songs early on and like creating this crossover interest between what would have been at the time, basically white people music and black people music. And so the Isleys kind of returned that favor by, by bringing what they felt to be this important white people music to a crowd that otherwise may have ignored it or, or kind of passed it over. Uh, and I think that they realized just like how important it was to, to help these communities who had only recently been, been integrated at the time, you know, to kind of come together and condemn war, condemn police violence and like bridge that divide between cultures and, and give us something to unite about, you know? Yeah, I, uh, that is a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Like the communities coming together through like one song as a mashup. That's like genius because they're both protest songs. Right. Yeah. That's, I learned it something. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> it comes off an album like a, called, I think it's called Giving It Back. And it's just like a bunch of, uh, you know, again, they, they even marketed it as being like, here's a bunch of white artists that we really respect and think are doing important things. And we want to bring that to our community, you know. And so oh, I thought that's, that I, that's super cool. Yeah, that is super cool. That's like a, that's like an olive branch in that pretty turmoil feel filled time that just come after like a pretty turmoil filled these are hard words uh-huh. 60s era but yeah it's genius it's a great song charlie always good and if you're gonna bring a nine and a half minute song i'm glad you brought this song lum is our next ear buddy and he brought blood for blood's version of runaway by del shannon As I walk
Lum says, I've been to hundreds of hardcore shows over the years, and quite a few had some sketchy shit going down, but the scariest show I ever saw was Blood for Blood in Austin. Here's their cover of Runaway. OMG, if you don't sing along to that chorus, like, I don't know how hardcore these groups are, <laughs> but, like, come on. I don't care what kind of sketchy shit's happening. And I'm pretty sure Lum has mentioned how sketchy that Blood for Blood show was again, like, previously in something. Yeah, definitely. But either way, this song is just fucking adorable. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm pretty sure these are big beardy men, right? And they're, they're just like... It's so cute. It's so cute. It's so sunshiny and like happy, but like so heavy. And, you know, it's just, it's whenever you just start singing along to the chorus, um, you're like, wow, I totally fit in the mosh pit here. Probably yeah, not. Though. Just I'd make probably you get sw- swing your fists around, you know? <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, the, the original version of this appeared on the American Graffiti soundtrack. I mean, obviously, it originally came out long before that, but my, my uh, you know, introduction Your to introduction. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was the American Graffiti soundtrack, which I've mentioned before was this really formative collections of songs for me as a kid because it was like the only tape that my dad had in his truck, so I listened to it constantly. And I always loved this song especially because it had a distinctly unique vibe to it, whereas like a lot of the songs were really upbeat, major key, dancey, sock hoppy kind of songs this one was still an upbeat song, but it had the minor chords and the guitar lead was like this really interesting kind of Arabic sounding mode scale, uh, which made it stand out from the other songs. And of course, you probably never expect a hardcore band to cover this sort of 50s doo-woppy jam. And it sort of reminds us about the genealogy of, of rock music and, and how much has changed from the advent of rock and roll in the 50s and 60s until now when rock music is something completely different. Uh, yet they still share this certain like emotional sensibility, feeling sadness and anger and dejection. And they just channel it into these completely disparate forms of music that somehow share that common genealogy. Uh, although I, I can appreciate both versions of the song, I'd wager that my dad probably would not like this version very much. <laughs> oh, come on. He might. It's got the sing-songy part in the chorus. Yeah. But it's got the it's <laughs> got the gang vocals doing the why, 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 why. <laughs> well, I'm assuming they're all jumping in unison. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Our next ear buddy is Joshua T, who brings Robert Plant's Monkey, originally done by Lowe. Joshua says, here's Robert Plant doing a very nice cover of one of my favorite low songs, which means I, I'm assuming Joshua T is like one of your best buddies because I know how much you love low. 
I mean, he's he's become one of my best buddies through this uh, podcast and our group. Oh, cool. Like, y'all did Oh, that's nifty. We're bringing people together yeah. while staying really far apart. Hey. <laughs> um, somehow, I thought this was going to be low covering Robert Plant. I don't know why. I don't. Because Robert Plant's been around forever. Like, hasn't he right, been I mean, in some, like, seminal rock band? Yeah, was he in Who? so. No. <laughs> okay. Wait, was he not in Who? No, he was in Led Zeppelin. He was a singer for Led Zeppelin. Uh, it was although, close. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Roger Daltrey is in the Who. Roger, Robert, you can get it mixed up, but Robert Same Plant. Diff. Yeah, let's <laughs> I'm I'm going to like you would think that I would have learned more, but in, and Dakota loves Led Zeppelin. You think I would know Robert Plant right. was from Led Zeppelin? Sorry, y'all. Um, but do you remember the Allison Krauss uh, Robert Plant album that like hit hit hard in two thousands? Yes. It was also very, very impressive. Yeah, and so this kind of gives me the same feelings because there's the the female vocals underneath, and I, you know, I'm I don't know this song specifically, but I'm pretty sure I've listened to it before just because I know you, so I've yeah. probably heard this song or at least had it in my periphery at some point. But it's a beautiful song, and I should listen to the original. Definitely so. Uh, I know it may be kind of a, a weird pick because a lot of our listeners will also have never have heard the original version, much less appreciate it as a good cover. But I think that despite that, this version has enough power and character to stand on its own. Uh, I've said before that although I love Led Zeppelin, Robert Plant is actually my least favorite part of Led Zeppelin. So, <laughs> you know, whenever I heard that he had covered two low songs for the solo record, I was I was super ecstatic, but I was also a little skeptical uh, luckily for me and the listeners, not only did he pick two of the best low songs to cover, but he did just gorgeous, tasteful versions that not only capture the spirit of the songs themselves and do do them justice, but he also legitimately captures the spirit of low as a band and like does an excellent job of evoking the sort of dark, cloudy uncertainty in the atmosphere of a lot of low songs. So so that's especially impressive to me and like gave me a lot of respect for Robert Plant. You know that he wasn't just like bastardizing one of my favorite bands. He really paid. Uh, uh, an honest and genuine tribute to it he did a very beautiful authentic version of this song uh, called monkey and then the other one is called uh silver rider uh, is ah. also in the thread and yeah both just he, he does such a good job of capturing i think lowe's aesthetic and bringing his own thing to it and i have a question mm-hmm. why why do you and uh, robert plant got beef it's not that i have beef with robert plant uh, you know, I, I like him in Led Zeppelin, but it's just like if I'm going down the list of who's your favorite member of Led Zeppelin that you appreciate the most, he's at the bottom just because a lot of his lyrics can be kind of ridiculous. But he also has some good ones, too. Uh, and like a lot of the sexual wailing is just kind of not my jam. But <laughs> obviously, you know, that's a part of what he did. And that's uh, appealing to a lot of folks. And I, I don't hold that against anybody. It's not that I I hate Robert Plant It's just, you know. Uh, I, I'm going with John Bonham, the drummer, as my favorite member of Led Zeppelin. You know, we'll put Robert Plant a little lower down on the list. I have a question. Okay. Can, can your next band be called Sexual Wailing? <laughs> yes. That'll be, uh, that'll be our first record. We'll call our yes. record Sexual Wailing. I have to think of a good band name for it, though. It, it's M- going to be Mitchell awesome. Manley, the Sexual Wailing. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, that brings me so much delight. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> um, our next ear buddy is Metal Johnny who brought the cardigans 
Iron Maiden by Black Sabbath. noticing a little bit of Black Sabbath over here. It's like they've made like a lot of really important music that I haven't heard of. Yeah, um, until I looked at your notes, I kind of didn't even realize this was the second Black Sabbath song on here. Uh, <laughs> there was another Neil Young song in the thread that I was going to link. I think it was also Debbie's submission, but I was like, oh, I don't want to have two Neil Young songs necessarily. And then, you know, accidentally put two Black Sabbath songs, but it still works. Are they both Black Sabbath with Ozzy though? Yes, for sure. Oh, I mean, there is a Black Sabbath without Ozzy, right? Yep the other uh, the other Black Sabbath was with Ronnie James Dio. <laughs> that name is somehow more ridiculous than um, Ozzy Osbourne. You're right. Yeah, I don't know how, but look, I do know this song. I I'm I'm I watched the Iron Man movie and they went <laughs> real on the nose with this song. They sure did. So, yeah, so. It's Black Sabbath, but like delightfully innocent sounding. Like it's so cute and innocent by um this Swedish rock band called the Cardigans. The Swedes really know how to make good music. I'm just Abba, Abba's great. Um, mm-hmm. there's it's much less Aussie sounding, much more bubblegum, and I'm pretty sure that they they snuck a sitar in there. I'm pretty sure. I think I heard Probably one. Probably so. Yeah. Yeah, so before I, I get into this pick, I want to first acknowledge another cover that Johnny posted, which was the song Dreamweaver being covered <laughs> by the sludge metal band Crowbar. Oh uh, and ha- had Johnny not submitted that one, it was definitely going to be one of my picks. But then after I heard this version of Iron Man, I knew in my heart of hearts that I just like had to bring this one to the show. And like in the world of covers, it's not really unheard of for heavy bands to cover not heavy songs and like make them heavy. And, you know, we already had Blood for Blood doing Runaway, and you're apt to find a million other great examples of, like, classics getting metalified. But it seems a lot less common for, for a band who isn't heavy at all to take a metal song and bring it back down to something more chill and melodic. And I think this is a perfect example of, of how that can be done. Uh, the Cardigans are mainly known as a one-hit wonder for their song Love Fool. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember that song? No, you should sing part of it for me. It goes, love me, love me, say that you love me, fool me, fool me. You remember that one? Yes, I do. All right, so that was the Cardigans' one big hit, uh, but this cover was actually on that same album, and and as easy as it would have been to just like make a softer acoustic version of Iron Man and call it done, like they actually orchestrated it into something really unique and original with like just enough content from the Black Sabbath version to be recognizable, but also 
unique enough to to them that no other band could possibly arrive at the same interpretation that they did, which, you know, basically turned one of the most iconic hard rock, heavy metal riffs of all time and turned it into this bubblegummy dream pop song. I think it was a pretty brilliant move. And for that reason alone, I think we should uh, go give the Cardigans a second chance. Okay. So I was Dakota, you know, we're like, we don't leave the house much and granted our schedules have always been bonkers but like now we get to see each other which is delightful because we're married but um (laughs) he was saying we need to do a dream pop episode and so i was like i don't even know what dream pop is and he's like it's that stuff you don't like to listen to but i like this song so i don't think that's accurate because i do like this song and yeah i think we could get you i don't know what dakota listens to and yeah. I think we probably have enough ear buddies that know what Dream Pop is uh, to probably have an episode. We might have to broaden it just a smidge, but, you know, like shoegaze, slowcore, Dream Pop, all kind of blends in together to the same sort of world. So we might uh, we might throw that one out here as a, as a suggestion one week. It's like how I learned about Vaporwave. Right. <laughs> so, oh, not to get completely derailed from our uh, our goal here. Um, our final ear buddy is Jeremy, who brought Jawbox's version of Cornflake Girl by Tori Amos. sunshiny than Amos's like original one which granted is not like the most super sunshiny of songs but still like Mm -hmm. sounds you know delightful and I don't know if the whistles would have come through so much if they had included it in this version because (laughs) um whistling in like heavy music doesn't really seem to I need to see that pulled off that's what I need to see it's an interesting choice for a dude band but I like it because it's definitely um it's now, I haven't seen the breakdown of the lyrics. Uh, I know that Tori Amos got really complicated, and it's probably got some, like, female themes going mm-hmm. on. And so for a male band to, like, kind of, like, come in and do um, a cover of it, going from something very somewhat feminine, like, sounding to, you know, duty sound. Not duty. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Uh, dude sounding. So, like, right. I, I think that's, um, it sparks conversation. 
Yeah, so this is a this is another one where like a good chunk of our listeners may not even be familiar with the original, but the cover is just so perfectly executed that I'm hoping it may win some folks over and kind of send them back to their Tori Amos records. Uh, I absolutely adore the original version, but Jawbox is just such a brilliant band, and, and like all, all the best covers, they put their own stamp on it in a way that no other band could. Uh, the guitar tones are super grimy, and the drum beat just kind of skips and realigns in a cool way that catches the listener off guard a little bit. And the dissonant chords scattered throughout just like give it some some drama and some character. And also appreciate that like without knowing this as a cover, you know, uh, it could pass pretty closely as just another really great Jawbox song. And I think that rules because as a cishet dude that, you know, loves female songwriters, I caught a lot of shit for being into Tori Amos because people thought her music was just for pissed off feminists. But, you know, this Jawbox cover really draws out the emotion and the gravity of, of the Tori Amos original. And I would hope maybe bridged a gap for some people who otherwise may have pigeonholed Tori Amos as being like just for girls going through breakups instead of like actually engaging with her songs and like understanding the themes and her approach to songwriting. Uh, you know, she's definitely been a major influence on me. So it's amazing hearing her music kind of reimagined so brilliantly into this huge wall of post hardcore angst and discontent, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's fine without the whistles. <laughs> I think it still works. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Hey Mitchell, we did it again. Yeah. Somehow <laughs> we, we remotely we recorded. Off. Yeah. I'm always like, I'm always distrustful of the internet, even though we're like recording. I don't know what you would think the internet would be like way easier to record across, but it's not. So I'm really proud of ourselves. Um, but me too. If you want to, tw- <laughs> if you want to tweet at us, I'm at Pow I Gotcha. And I'm at Madam Woolite. And the show is at Andy Pod, the Facebook group, which is filled with insanely good covers under this theme, is Earbuds and Earworms podcast group. The voicemail line is 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837. You can email the show andypod at gmail.com and you can always check out my endless struggle with how to make a website work, andypod.com, part of the 10710 network. (laughs) What's our final song this week? All right, the final song I'm actually going to cede to Justin W. this week. He brought Fountain of, Fountains of Wayne doing Today's Teardrops by Roy Orbison. Uh, you know, I decided to give up that closing slot to Justin for a couple of reasons. The first and most obvious at the moment is that we recently lost Adam Schlesinger, who was the bassist and one of the primary songwriters for Fountains of Wayne. Uh, he was the fir- one of the first more prominent names to die from the current uh, coronavirus pe- pandemic. Uh, and even beyond the idea of paying tribute to him, though, like I've talked a lot recently about how brilliant Fountains of Wayne's songwriting was. Uh, even the one big hit, Stacy's Mom, is just filled with all these power pop tricks. And Adam Schlesinger also co-wrote tons of really great songs for other people and for like TV shows and movies. So I've been wanting to bring his work to the show for a while anyway. Uh, but most of all, I'm kind of hoping that this cover will be a nice, hopeful way to end the show during this kind of scary and, and uncertain time for us in the present. Uh, so try to remember that today's teardrops are tomorrow's rainbows. Uh, and hopefully we can keep a little hope alive with Fountains of Wayne covering Roy Orbison's Today's Teardrops. Today's teardrops are tomorrow's rainbows and tomorrow's rainbows I will share, share with you. So dry your eyes, little girl, dry your eyes. We're gonna see skies of blue. Had a tough time getting started. 
Maybe just a little downhearted All you gotta do is count to ten Maybe you'll be smiling Wednesdays Teardrops are tomorrow's rainbows And tomorrow's rainbows I will share, share with you So dry your eyes, little girl, dry your eyes We're gonna see skies of blue Gonna be just love and gladness Don't wanna hear nothing about sadness Come a little closer, come to me With each kiss you're gonna see today's Teardrops are tomorrow's rainbows And tomorrow's rainbows I will share, share with you So dry your eyes, little girl, dry your eyes We're gonna see skies of blue goes love me love me say that you love me fool me fool me you remember that one 